What you're about to hear is the second of a two-part series between myself and a sex trafficking and domestic abuse survivor. Some of the content may be a little disturbing. Parental discretion is advised. For example, there was um, this one family. Um, I've heard of their story and they decided to wait to talk to their children about abuse until that children are nine or ten. So at that point then they started to talk about it and they started about talking about bad and good touch and then about abuse and that child at 10 age was like, oh, so you mean what my swim teacher did? Mm. And so it already happened. Welcome fellow humans to the Public and Permanent Podcast from IROC2.org a collection of stories shared by you every week to help develop our digital consciousness, cultivating a productive, positive, and powerful global village. I am your host, Richard Gary. Let's go. In our last episode, we were talking with a trafficking survivor and her incredible true story of how she escaped human trafficking. And one of the things that I found incredibly eye-opening and, to be honest, a bit distressing is that she advised it's likely that many of us have actually seen human trafficking five times already in our lifetime. So in this episode of the podcast, we're going to continue our conversation with my guest and ask her some questions. Things like how can we spot human trafficking? How can we help victims of human trafficking? Just how big is the problem? And how can we protect ourselves and our families? A lot of people have so many misconceptions about trafficking and child trafficking that I felt called to, to educate all segments of society, because I believe once everybody knows and knows truth about it and is educated about it, um, it can be stopped because truly human trafficking, the majority of cases are hidden in plain sight. And I promise and guarantee you that you've already watched human trafficking at least five times in your life without knowing what you're looking at. Um, it is, And it is because we have so many misconceptions and wrong associations about them than they actually happen. And so um, then in 2017, I moved back to Germany to work and save up for school. And I moved here um, to Utah in 2018. And now I'm becoming a lawyer for international civil rights because I want to do some legal changes in the jurisdictional um, areas and legal systems to make it easier to convict and, and investigate in human trafficking cases, because there's still so much opportunity for improvement and help. And I, I feel so honored that I get to speak um, globally and teach law enforcement and medical staff and communities about human trafficking and um, help others to get out and that's just, you know, my life I do now. So that's my story. Well, I mean, number one, I think the amount of not just abuse, but, but trauma you have overcome, and I'm, and I'm sure you continue to work through, is just incredible. And the fact that you are now diving in, and you're not just talking. I mean, you're not just going out there and talking about it. You are doing something about it, going and getting your education. Go, um, I know you work with Adaptive Ops. We've mentioned Adaptive Ops a couple times here, so I want to take a moment to describe what they are. It is essentially an organization out of St. George, Utah that locates, extracts, and protects human trafficking victims. You can learn more about their program on our website for this podcast episode. 
mean, you're not just going out there and talking about it. You are doing something about it, going and getting your education. Go, um, I know you work with adaptive ops. You want to become a lawyer to shut down the loopholes that you're aware of that other people might not be. These are, these are incredible goals. The, the fact that you have made it to where you are after, I mean, I don't have any other word for it than trauma mm-hmm. is just, it's uplifting for me to know that, um, and I hope there's anyone out there who's listening who might be dealing with, with similar situations, I hope that you're hearing that there is a way out. It is possible for you to change your life. I'm not saying it's easy. I guess the first question I would have for you, you know, you had, you had said, you know, you probably witnessed trafficking five times in your life. Mm-hmm. What is something that we might be looking for, whether it be online or offline? Is there something like a red flag that that we might notice in our communities, um, because through, through your story, it sounded like you know you're living in a suburb. You're the new kid in school. You're going to school. You're doing dance class. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. something that you would say you know we should maybe keep an eye out for that might mm-hmm. call the wrong you know we should be aware of? Yeah, totally. And before I answer that question, I kind of want to jump really quick to trauma. Just yeah. just one moment, if that's okay. Of course. Um, because a lot of people think I just came out fine. But I do um, also teach a lot about trauma. I want to really emphasize that I did suffer from horrific PTSD and from severe trauma. And trauma is a physical injury of your brain as much as a car accident. You can you can actually see PTSD in an MRI scan of the brain. And a lot of people, um, unfortunately do the typical victim blaming like oh get over it I don't know whether or not I should believe you or you know sometimes unintentionally I I still get asked like so are you messed up from what happened to you I was like no (laughs) I had a normal reaction to something really really unnormal and the people messed up or those who did that to me Um, and so I want to especially talk to those who suffer from trauma um, and have them understand it's not your fault it's you know it's not your guilt to bear it to bear and and there's hope and healing and especially um also to those um in our society science has come so far in understanding trauma and i think as a society we need to catch up and understanding that what's going on um as for a survivor is really really traumatic and it is literally the same symptomatic as a soldier coming out of war and um that you know there needs to be that needs to be addressed and also that there is help and hope and i also had a lot of people who came into my life who wanted to fix it and didn't realize that this is not a job for one single person trauma requires a village it requires therapists and doctors and anybody who wants to fix it on their own they're gonna fail and a lot of people felt me on my path a lot of people walked away because it became too much was which is you know even worse because all you need as a survivor of horrific trauma is consistency and safety um which couldn't be provided and after i came out I was a hot mess. <laughs> I abused medication. I was anorexic. I was bulimic. I attempted suicide multiple times in my life because I couldn't deal with the grief. And escape does not mean survive. The surviving starts after you've escaped. Um, and there's so much work. And I, I hope as a society that we can become more compassionate towards that and more educated and more helpful to survivors. And for survivors out there, you know, understanding it's not their fault and not their shame. And they just have a really, really normal reaction. And you're 
body physically changes during trauma. I work with an amazing um, specialist and he's one of the leaders in trauma work worldwide. And he once told me that he worked with over six uh, 6,000 survivors of human trafficking. He had one case. He explained to me that that lady was highly allergic to peanuts, but during a flashback, she could eat as many peanuts as she wanted. So your body literally and your brain literally changes physically, and um, but it can be restored. You know, there's so much happening in your frontal lobe, and there's so much science behind it. I think that's an extremely important point. Looking at trauma as a physical injury, you wouldn't. Yeah, it is you know, a medical condition, not right. a chosen path of an individual to stay in victim mentality. Exactly, exactly, and I think a lot of people sometimes might be too quick to judge and asking somebody to get over it, or you know, I mean, that's like if I'm making an analogy, if if you were injured, if you you have knee surgery, I mean, you have all these kinds of injuries. You well, you have a doctor who's going to fix it. You have physical therapy. You have people who are going to support you through it. it to you to your point it takes a village you don't just say hey get over it exactly and i think exactly. i think people need to realize that trauma like the, i mean the trauma you're talking about doesn't just happen and if you are dealing with trauma you have to know that you you don't have to do it yourself you you need other people and i think you're making a very very important point for people to understand you need help you have to ask for help yes and to anyone who ever you know suffered through horrific abuse or violence I'm so sorry that happened, but I, it, my favorite line of my favorite actor, she always says, I know you're going to get over this and there's help out there and it's okay to ask for help. Um, back to the questions of science of how we can detect human trafficking. Um, obviously, it's always, always difficult to 100% say there's a case or there's not a case. The typical things to look for are the typical abuse signs. Are there bruises? How's the child mentally doing, emotionally? You know, are there schooling issues? Um, medically, you know, there are a lot of sexually transmitted diseases. Why would a child have that? Uh, dental work, um, branding and tattooing. I have a tattoo on my little finger that was put on my traffickers to identify which ring I belong to. And why would a child have a little tattoo, you know, on their finger? Right. Um, which is not often a case in child trafficking. In, in my case, my, my mother was really, really well or good in manipulating the surroundings and, and the people around us. She is a typical narcissist, um, really good in manipulating everyone, believing that she's such a good person. And um, um, her reputation was her the most important thing for her. And anything that could harm her reputation was the biggest no way, you know, you would be punished for anything. Um, and so, in human trafficking, child trafficking, and adult trafficking, usually the trafficker takes control over conversations or connecting or anything, really. It's hard to, to start a conversation with a trafficker one-on-one, um, uh, with a trafficking victim one-on-one, um, especially in adult trafficking. Um, you have sometimes traffic victims coming to the ER, but the trafficker called the pimp is with that victim, and he answers all the questions, and and then there's also drug addiction and it's so hard because every case is different right but there are common you know signs which i always would say you know the common abuse signs and if you suspect something try to be a friend to that some victim suspected 
um, suspective victim, um, you know, or try to connect with them. And if it's hard to connect, I, you know, there's either the the international uh, the national human trafficking hotline. You can always call the authorities, call nine one one if there is something that you really suspect. Um, but yeah, that's I think the question that I always get: what, how, how can we detect what is going on? And it's the hardest question to answer. Yeah. Um, because some cases have all of the signs, some cases have none of the signs, some cases have maybe one of the signs I list, you know, and it's different. But um, Operation Underground Railroad, they, on their website, they offer free online training for the entire family that you can take. It's an online course. I think it's an hour long that teaches about human trafficking and the science and what to do in cases of um, suspect or anything. And I would recommend you to take that. It takes no money and just a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when, and it's called Operation Underground Railroad. Exactly. Yes. So, Yeah. A lot of people listening, they hear the story and they hear human trafficking, but I don't know that people truly understand how large a problem this really is in the year 2020. If I'm a family or I'm listening to this and I hear this, this there's an hour-long course for me to learn, but now nah, it's, you know, why would I have to ever worry about that? Can you explain to listeners why okay. that is so important and how big okay. this really is? Here are some numbers. We have more slaves today than ever before in history. Over 40 million victims worldwide are held as slaves. And the capital of human trafficking is not a developing country. It is here in the United States. Um, over 80% of customers for child sex worldwide are American men and women. The average age of a child traffic victim is between 12 and 14. It is the fastest growing criminal enterprise, which claims over $53 trillion. It is the most lucrative crime around the world because unlike drugs or weapons, you can sell a human being multiple times a day. People often think that slavery ended hundreds of years ago or a hundred years ago, and it just is worse than ever before. Right. And um, this is something that we need to address. And it is in every community. It is in every backyard. Um, it happens in all classes of society. Um, and it is hidden in plain sight. And this is why you've watched it already without knowing what you're looking at. Right. Yeah, if, if those numbers aren't eye-opening, I don't know what will be. I don't think people truly understand the breadth and scope of this problem and that the United States of America is the, did you say the largest? Yeah, it's the capital of human trafficking. Yeah, that's that should be very eye-opening or ear-opening in this case for a lot of people. But just one more question on this. You come from the situation. You are not an advocate or an expert, quote-unquote, because you've studied this. You are literally the person who has lived this and have done more than survive. You're, I mean, like I said, to me, you're a hero. <laughs> if there is somebody listening who's in a situation where they are realizing what you realized when you started watching Law & Order, mm -hmm. what advice would you have for them? It is not your fault, and however you ended up in this situation, none of the blame belongs to you, and there's hope and there's healing, and there's so many resources that can help you, um, and you might be still pondering whether or not you are affected by this, and 
Let me just ask you freely, is any of the money that you're making going towards you or to the person that you owe, you know? Um, do you get to choose freely what you're gonna do tomorrow or this evening? Um, are you being asked to make money with your body because that person needs money? Um, this is not love and if that person claims love and showers you with expensive gifts um, just to ask you to go sell yourself, that is not love. And um, I've lived through it. I have survived it. And I was in denial for many years and I finally understood and dreams really do come true and whatever you dream of you can achieve it it's right there and if you need help reach out reach out to authorities call 911 you're going to get through this and it's okay to choose to get out and it is hard but it's possible and it's not your fault and you have so much worth and that never went away that's that's beautiful um as a child my safe place was celine dion and music and i am alive because of music and it keeps me going and it's the one thing that always gets me back to where i need to be and a lot of families reached out and saying well i don't want to talk to my child about human trafficking it's such a dark topic i will traumatize them and i don't want to do this and i was like well here's the thing parents I know it's a hard topic, but you can talk to your child in an appropriate way about it. And I'll give you a 100% guarantee, if you talk to your child about human trafficking or abuse, your child will not become a victim to it. For example, there was um, this one family, um, I've heard of their story, and they decided to wait to talk to their children about abuse until that children are nine or ten so at that point then they started to talk about it and they started about talking about bad and good touch and then about abuse and that child at 10 age was like oh so you mean what my swim teacher did mm. and so it already happened you know and yep. then parents always ask me well what is an appropriate age to talk to my child about it and i say well the moment you don't watch your child 24 7 that is the right time to talk about good and bad people good and bad touch and what is appropriate and what are boundaries and i appreciate so much that you are willing to come on the show and, and share your story and i know it's very personal and thank you for your bravery and what you do thank you so much you're very kind well thank you for the time and for doing all this <laughs> cheers bye I just want to thank you all again for the privilege of your time. We also want to thank everybody who submitted a voicemail and email to be on the show. 
We are reviewing all of your stories and we will be in touch. If you like what you hear, please be sure to follow us and like us on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. You can learn more about the podcast, including how you can leave us a voicemail or an email to be on the show where people can share ideas, thoughts, stories, and support, as well as learn more about some of our featured guests and downloadable documents and other information we'll be providing as the season continues. For all of this information and more, please visit our website at www.iroc2iroc2.org forward slash podcast. Thank you all so much again for listening. I look forward to telling you more stories and hearing your stories. Remember, you're listening to this on a tool that connects you to billions of people. So use that tool to be amazing. Be well, friends. Cheers. Cheers.